0: Uh, hello and welcome to the first of the C twenty one podcast from Real Screen twenty twenty in New Orleans. I'm Clive Whittingham. I'm the news editor at C twenty one. I'm joined by two execs from Blue Ant Studios this morning. I'm joined by Sam Snyderman, who is the co president of Blue Ant Studios, and Jennifer Harkness, who is the senior VP of Unscripted for Blue Ant Studios in the US. Did I get that right yeah, this time? Got it right. I got it right. okay, well, we be here well. time's a charm. <laughs> Thank you for, Thank you for joining us guys. It's the uh, first thing on the first day, so uh, we appreciate you sparing us some time. Why don't we start by um, just introduce for people that aren't aware? Uh, your arm of Blue Ant, which is a rapidly growing company that we hear a lot about, where do you guys fit into the machine?
1: Yeah, so just to briefly um, talk about the machine as you described it, it's Blue Ant is a uh, producer and a distributor uh, and a broadcaster in Canada. Um, the production arm, which we're a part of, is called Blue Ant Studios, as you said, uh, and we have uh, production companies in Canada, the U.S., Australia, uh, and New Zealand. Um, And we are uh, rapidly growing, as as you said. We're we're very happy to bring on Jen Harkness uh, in uh, September of this year, um, and she's spearheading our unscripted business here in the U.S., uh, but we are growing in all those markets, and, and feeling quite optimistic. Of, you know, despite the, the changes in our in our business, we're feeling quite optimistic about the future, both in unscripted and scripted.
0: Amazing, Jennifer. How have you got your feet under the table? How are you? How are you finding it?
2: Well, it's been a quick run up to the real screen for sure. Prepping a lot of new projects. We're working with a lot of third-party producers. I work really closely with Laura Michael Titian, who's our co-president of creative. Um, Chief Creative Officer as well and so between her and I we've managed to develop a pretty broad slate of projects, so we're excited about 2020 and what that looks like for us.
0: Okay, can you uh, talk uh, a little bit about what's on your development slate at the moment, either stuff that you're pleased with how it's going or stuff that you've got coming up, shows there that you can plug?
2: We sort of have a range of projects, everything from true crime to real estate. A lot of them are premium, kind of factual content, and so I can't really get into a lot of detail on them because we're just pretty much fresh to the market. But
1: One thing that's worth saying, and sorry to interrupt, Jen, is, is that um, in the U.S., we really, really have a du- dual mission, or Jen has a dual mission in the U.S. She's developing and selling our own projects, but also very active in selling projects for the other Blue Ant companies around the world. Um, you know, in, in, in Canada, we're quite active in the Canadian market as well, um, you know one of the most prominent projects we have which is in production is uh uh Drag Race Canada which is the Canadian version of um of the uh of the Drag Race format
0: how do you go about adapting uh adapting that for a Canadian audience <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, it's it, you know it's, it's it's pretty much the it's the same show really, um, and um, you know drag is is a is a big deal in in, in Canada, um, particularly in the in the major cities, um, and the response from the community in Canada has been has been amazing, um, and uh, it, it's a very similar format really. Uh, Rue doesn't appear in in person, um, but he uh, he does his you know Rue mails and is you know one hundred percent behind this. Um, so I think, like that, the reason I brought that show up is is we're probably uh, better known for other types of unscripted content like natural history, um, but we really want to make um, shows that that cut through in this crowded marketplace. Um, so I think Drag Race is a good example of that. Um, our Canadian production company Saloon uh, is is also making uh, a show for Amazon um, about Ted Bundy. Um, uh, focusing on the, the 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 angle of the victims of, of Ted Bundy rather than Ted Bundy himself, um, so I think maybe those are two examples of the kinds of things that we're we're trying to do. Yeah,
0: because I think uh, a lot of people will know Blue Ant for the uh, the wildlife content and the the true nature, which is uh, maybe how the company came to the fore on the on the international scene. Do I get the impression that twenty twenty is going to be about broadening out from that? I think you're you're right, Clive. I mean, uh, we still. Very much believe
1: in um, natural history as a as a category. Um, We have production companies that make natural history shows, and we have a a broadcaster that you know uh, love nature, which is which is global. Uh, But but absolutely, it's been a core part of our strategy um, to broaden out in terms of our programming. Um, And um, again, you know, trying to we're we're trying to focus on um, modern types of programs that really cut through, which is. Probably why I brought up the the drag race show, um, and I think there are there are probably other shows on the slate yeah, in that and category.
2: And we've had a lot of third party producers that work in different genres come to us, so that's been exciting. We've got a cooking show that we're working on. We've got two uh, real estate projects that we're working on. So a lot of those have been. Um, from third party, but we're also generating internal IP based on optioning books and magazine articles and things like that.
0: True crime, uh, natural history—these are really sort of buzzy genres. A lot of people are involved in there. There's some high production values around. How do you guys go around, go about cutting through that? How do you make your programs stand out in a in a crowded marketplace? I don't
2: know. Well, we're just at the development phase right now, but it's really attaching. Um, directors and experienced showrunners that have have worked on these types of projects so one of the projects we have is with uk based on uk crime with two podcasters that are there so we're looking at people that have deep roots in that in the true crime genre and so that seems to be working
1: yeah, I, th- I think um, you know wh- one of the other key differentiators for us, I think, is is uh, how international we are in scope, um, and so we're able to draw on ideas and talent from around the world. Um, and you know, that's a good example. I think the the British show, um, you know, our, our Singapore company Beach House has uh, two true crime uh, series with Netflix that have been commissioned, um, and uh, they um, th- they bring different types of stories that the market isn't used to. So
2: and same with Northern Pictures. I'm here with a project that they have based on the Australian fires that are happening right now. They're in the field. They're shooting lots of amazing, not, not amazing, but they're shooting lots of footage there that I can then bring to this market and meet with the different buyers that might be interested in moving fast on an idea like that.
0: You've mentioned um, working with third-party producers um, a couple of times. There'll be a lot of third-party producers listening to this. How can they work with you? What sort of projects are you looking to work with them on? What should people be bringing to you as a third-party producer?
2: I think, as always, access is really important. So if there's a good piece of talent, a good story that they want to tell, that they might not have the infrastructure to be able to do that, we can partner with them, work together together, and then because we have companies all over the world it could be a producer that's in a different part of the country of the world as well so there's a lot of opportunities in that sense
0: and is it just like pitch you at events or or get in touch sort of in between how does it how does it work
2: yeah i'm meeting with a lot of producers here at real screen and also they can contact us through we've got a lot of different people that are out at the market so any sort of blue ant person it can always feed back into us or one of the other companies
0: so g- looking at, um, I mean, we're at the start of Real Screen today. Um, we've got three or four days of panels uh, coming up where we'll discuss all the talking points, I'm sure. But looking ahead at 2020, where do you see the unscripted business, the sort of health of the unscripted business, challenges facing it as we move into 2020? Um, what's the, the state of play from your point of view?
1: Um, there is obviously dislocation within the industry, which is, you know, tough for for lots of people. However, um, we're extremely bullish about the unscripted um, industry. I mean, just to be sort of blunt, there's a hell of a lot more money pouring into making unscripted shows than there ever has been before. Um, And so we're excited about the opportunities that that brings. But, you know, it is tough at the the same time because some of our traditional buyers are not buying at the rate that they used to. Um, So we're trying to adapt very quickly to the change in the the market. and we think, you know, people talk about the golden age of TV. Um, and I, I think that's a, a reality. How long will it last? I have
0: no idea.
2: <laughs> and I think one of the challenges for producers is that the development cycle is that much longer. So now, before you could pitch a piece of paper, and it might maybe go directly to series, but now that piece of paper is leading to more paper and more paper. You're competing against that many more that many more producers that are getting into the market. So I'm finding it's like before maybe it was a year from beginning to – sort of end that's getting into two years even in some cases
0: yeah that's putting a lot of pressure on indie producers it costs a hell of a lot just to get to the the pitch now I mean how how do you get around that I don't know
2: well we're having to invest our own money we're sort of I mean I myself am also going out on shoots and things like that so it's sort of hands-on for when we get into development
0: yeah I just um I wonder if you if you're pitching to U.S. Cable because their margins are coming down and the development cycle's so long I mean do you change tech and start thinking? Well, I'll just target the streamers rather than you know pitch into US cable. Now, if you were a producer, I, d- I, d- I don't know. I think know.
2: a lot of people are trying to target the streamers. We'd all like to be in business with them. There's a lot more coming on the market with Peacock coming out. So I, I think you just have a strategy where you're looking at both streamers and cable because if you don't have that, you don't – the good thing about that is if you have an idea, there may be more than just three or four places that you can take it. So with Netflix, their mandate is pretty broad, so there's always an opportunity to go there, but kind of figuring out the system and who to pitch is – Another challenge as well.
0: Yeah, it's the new uh, the new part of the job. Are this, for a company like you guys, are the streamers like an absolute game changer? You know, new goose with a golden egg kind of thing, or is it? I, I don't know. Where do they Where do they sort of fit in, in your um, priorities?
1: You know, they're they're the they're the um, you know obviously they're they're very attractive um, companies to work with. There's no question about that. Um, uh, from, from our point of view, um, we're trying to do lots of different kinds of shows with lots of different kinds of broadcasters. Uh, and we're also a company that's very focused on uh, retaining intellectual property rights, which is, can be a challenge with the streamers. So we, we can't put all of our eggs into that one basket. Um, so we, we need to work with you know, traditional buyers uh, as, as well as the S-Bots.
0: Are, um, are they looking for different kinds of shows? I mean, what, what distinguishes like a Netflix show from an HGTV show or something like that, one for traditional U.S. cable?
1: Um, I I guess the way I think about it is um, uh, I I think they're looking for and it depends from streamer to streamer, um, but they're generally uh, looking for an international audience um, and so the, the, the stories that um, that I think work for them uh, are, are more international in scope so you need to be able to the, the, the programs need to, to be attractive to a European audience, an American audience and an, an Asian audience um, and I think maybe uh, some of the traditional broadcasters are, are uh, uh, a little more parochial in their, in their outlook so uh, we do need to think you know, beyond our own borders for sure
2: I think it's also really about access now. I mean, we're seeing so many celebrities and star talent getting moving into the unscripted space and wanting to be involved in passion projects or shows. So that's opened up a new market, but also made it more competitive for the indie producers.
0: You have to be slightly careful when you're attaching you know you can't just put celebrity a with topic b how how do you judge whether it feels right authentic that's the word that people use a lot isn't it i think
2: there always it has to be a passion for them they have to have an interest in whatever the project is that we want to attach them to so i think that that's always our goal yeah
0: um okay guys well um thanks very much Best of luck uh, with Real Screen this week. Thank you for your time on the on the first day. We will be back uh, tomorrow with the second part of our podcast, a uh, collection of U.S. producers with us tomorrow morning. Uh, so tune in for that. In the meantime, you can keep up with all the latest developments uh, with C21 online, on Twitter, and on Facebook.